There you go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. And I kind of know what you're talking about and you kind of know what I'm talking about today. But I'm going to do um, two haunted hotels and you've got two smaller stories. I have two cold cases. Oh, I said haunted hotels, but I meant to say haunted restaurants. Two haunted restaurants. Correct, but they used to be hotels. Yes, but they used to be... Oh, one used to be a hotel. One was just a house. Oh, one was a house. And we have two things. One, I have a correction. I'm not going to add it to a piddly podcast. I'll just be honest about it right here. Um, I was contacted and told that during the Benton Harbor House of David podcast, twice I said 1980-something, but I should have said 1880-something. It's because you liked the 80s. I did like the 80s a little bit there. The 90s were really where I blossomed, though. Um, but I I had it right in the text, but apparently when I read it, I read it wrong out loud in front of everybody, and that's what got recorded. That shows how much I pay attention to you. I didn't notice either, and I made the show notes, but someone else noticed. So what I wanted to talk about real quick is if you watched episode, or watched. <laughs> okay. If you listened to episode 10, you heard all these weird noises in the background, And no, my house is not haunted. It is my dog, Apollo, who does not know how to be quiet. So you hear him whining and um, playing with his toys and stuff in the background. So if you hear strange noises, it's the dog. Apollo just wants to be a part of the the podcast. Right? Right. That vicious dog that if someone tries to serial murder you will jump into your defense, right? He better. Right? (laughs) All right, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Why don't you go first? Okay, I'm a, I want to talk about the Whitney restaurant in Detroit. It is a super fancy highfalutin restaurant that is also supposed to be haunted. The Whitney restaurant was built as a mansion between 1890 and 1894 for local lumber baron David Whitney Jr. At the time, he was the richest man in Detroit. The house is 21,000 square feet. It has 52 rooms and is three stories tall. There's 10 bathrooms, 20 fireplaces, and the outside is covered in pink jasper stonework. Tiffany glass windows are in the house when they're rumored to be worth more than the houses because, yeah, that's some expensive stuff. There's an elevator in the house. It was the first residence in Detroit to have a hydraulic elevator for personal use. I need an elevator. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Heck yeah. The first floor mantle was wired for electric bulbs by Thomas Edison, and it's just an absolutely gorgeous home. David Whitney became known as Mr. Woodward Avenue as the Upper Woodward area became known as a popular place for affluent people in Detroit. The Whitney family lived in the house until the 1920s. The Wayne County Medical Society moved there in the mid-1900s, and the Whitneys paid the $15,000 a year taxes in order for them to stay there. Holy moly. Yeah. The family um, were advocates of the medical profession. And the Whitney's believed that the house should be preserved, not for personal use, but so that the public could enjoy it. That's why they moved out and let other people move in. The house became an upscale restaurant in 1986 and is still a restaurant today. Both David Whitney and his second wife, Sarah, died in the house. They are said to haunt the house along with at least one of David's children. Rumor is that David died of a heart attack in the house in 1900 when one of his daughters, um, he had three daughters and a son, told him that she was marrying and moving to Europe. And he was 70 years old at the time. Sarah died in the house 17 years later in 1917. 
So he had a heart attack when his daughter told him she was moving. Yeah, getting married and moving. That to would Europe. totally have my my dad would have a heart attack if I told him I was moving too. Yeah, he loves me so much. Yeah, and moving to happen. Europe. And this is back in the day where you couldn't just quick call somebody. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't FaceTime anybody in mm-hmm. nineteen hundred. Or sorry, David's first wife, Flora, who died before the mansion was completed. It was they were starting to build it, but she died before it was completed. Um, may haunt the building. As a side note, his second wife, Sarah, is Flora's sister, who was younger than Flora by about 13 years. And a psychic said that Flora had died, you know, um, sorry, Flora haunts the house because she's jealous of, that Sarah was able to live in it, but she d- died before it was completed, so she's jealous of her younger sister. Grace, David's youngest child, is considered to be the angry spirit. I'm ear quoting that on the grounds. Once the restaurant owners moved a tea set and the possible Grace apparition made such a fuss knocking stuff around that they put the tea set back in its original location. And I guess everything stopped happening once they did that. The elevator is known to go up and down between floors without passengers in it. Full body apparitions have been seen. Table settings move on their own. And a lot of activity takes place in the carriage house. The restaurant's cocktail bar is called the Ghost Bar, so they're aware of their ghostly reputation, seem to be fine with it. The Whitney restaurant also does hold paranormal dinner tools, but um, tours, but it costs $130, so my husband said no. <laughs> and the building um, has been listed as a Michigan historical site since 1971 and listed on the U.S. National Register of Historic Places in 1972. It's about to begin renovations to be a greener building to be more energy efficient. And there's actually a sci-fi episode in which um, the ghost hunters went to the Whitney. I've added a link to the show notes, and you can see if the ghost hunters, what they saw there. But we actually are about to tell a personal story, because we were supposed to go last weekend or whatever. Oh, yeah. To the Whitney. Allie got me all excited. Yeah. I brushed my hair. Yeah, and... I broke out my Spanx. You got your fancy high heel shoes on. Mm -hmm. Those were so sexy. Yeah. Yeah. And then where did you take me, Allie? Not to the Whitney. Yeah, not to the Whitney. (laughs) Not to the Whitney. My husband... Okay, so we saw... I think where I made the mistake was when I looked up the menu... And I saw a $90 steak, and I was talking to my husband. I'm like, oh, they have a lot of beef and seafood, and I'm not really into that. I like my white meats. And my husband started to complain that he wasn't going to pay $40 for me to eat four bites of something. <laughs> and um, I just I thought, got punished. Yeah, I just thought, it was funny that you had so many nice dress-up clothes, and Mike and I were wearing the clothes we got married in because we don't have fancy clothes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so then we ended up going, and then I told my husband, all right, well, if we're not going to take Jen to the Whitney like we promised, we need to take her to a different haunted restaurant. And yeah, note the word promise. Yeah. Well, like, she, built me up for a whole three weeks. Yeah. It took me three weeks to pick my outfit, my shoes. I even changed that, my purse. I'll say, that's why you look super fly. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, it took you, me all day. You came in at, a, at an 11. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then we took you somewhere where being a five will totally let you fit in. <laughs> so we looked up other haunted area, uh, haunted restaurants in the area, and we ended up going with the South Lion Hotel. And now I know it's called the South Lion Hotel, but it's actually a restaurant now. It used to be a hotel. So the South Lion Hotel was built in the late 1800s around the railroad service and was originally called the Commercial House. There's a, there was another competing hotel called the Lion Hotel, which was also named the Moody House at one point. Mm. And employees from the two hotels would race to the train station once they heard the whistle blow, trying to convince disembarking travelers to stay at their hotel. 
And the races between the two hotels were a source of entertainment for South Lion citizens who would stop what they were doing and go watch. Because I guess as soon as you heard the whistle from the train coming in, they would jump in buggies and literally just haul as fast oh, wow. as they can to the train station, trying to be the first ones there to get the you know the people to come stay with them. Said, oh yeah, a fire broke out in the hotel in 1977, and I could not find an article that talked about the fire being there in 1977. As far as I could tell, I can't I can't mm. tell that it actually happened. But the building didn't become a business again until the late 1980s, when the structure was turned into a restaurant. Unfortunately, in June 2016, a real fire, for sure, um, broke out on the second floor of the restaurant around 2 in the morning. And no one was killed or injured in the fire as staff was quickly alerted by the alarm. I guess the alarm went off. They ran upstairs and they were like, oh, shit, there's fire everywhere. Mm -hmm. And even though they were able to get out safely, still the roof and the second floor received, like, a ton of damage. And the South Lion Hotel, which is really a restaurant, opened again for business in late 2017. There are people who believe the restaurant's haunted. There have been reports of shadow figures on the stairs leading to the second floor, which we didn't go up to because there was a private memorial being held upstairs, and I just Mm -hmm. felt like, yeah, we can't crash that. Plus, we look super fancy in this place. (laughs) Um, Glasses have been known to slide across the table and fall onto the floor when there's a person near them. Loud banging on walls and windows have startled people in the building, and plants and chairs have been rearranged overnight when nobody's in the building. I did not experience any of that. Me neither, but when we went there, that place was jumping. People everywhere. I think it needs to be known that you got me dressed up. I did. All fancy. True. And took me to a sports bar. Because that's did. what it was. <laughs> it turned, I know. It is. <laughs> the outside of the building is... You know, old brick, yeah, pretty yes. iron uh-huh. rod fence around yeah, it, yeah. and then you walk in and it's a modern sports bar with like six TVs that looks like it'd been rebuilt in 2017. And when we walked in the door, <laughs> everyone was staring at us because it was like we were dressed to eleven and. We should have been dressed to five. Yeah, we should have just been in. I could have shown up in my sweatpants. So, yeah. We didn't see any ghosts there. But I did see my Aunt Terry and my Uncle Rick. There you go. They were visiting my Aunt Terry's dad who lives in South Lyon. So, I did did find something at the restaurant. I found my family. And and then there was the dead animals on the wall. Like the deer heads and whatnot on the walls. True. That was good. You did dip your steak into a juice. Um, juice. Yeah. yeah, I will say they had a really good, I had a ribeye. And it was as big as my plate. And it was very good. So the food was good. Yeah. Table was way too small. Well, yeah, it was a small table. Yeah, or we just were pigs and ate too much. A little bit of both, maybe. Could be. It could be a balance. Yeah. So that's my story of the haunted hotels. One my husband won't take me to because it's expensive. And I'm a picky eater. And the other one... We were too dressed up for it. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. At least we got out of the house. Yeah, that was nice. And you got me coffee on the way home. Yeah. And I love having coffee after I eat. We found a Big B with a drive through That never happens. I know, right? So, if you ever want to see another one, that's the only one I know of. We'll just have to go back there. Yeah, because the Bigs be by us. You have to actually like, get out of your car. It's horrifying. Like, who does do that? Yeah, who wants to get out of the car? Yeah, you just want coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have two cold cases, a cold case of Dan Barnett, and then another cold case, Janet Robertson. Tell me. So we'll start with Dan Barnett and Bruce McAllister. They were friends. 
they went to Lake County, Michigan for a camping trip in March of 1975. Okay. In the early hours of the morning, several shots penetrated Dan and Bruce's tent. Bruce was seriously injured, but survived. Okay. And But Dan was killed. So someone just shot into so, the tent? Yep. Yeah, they were sleeping, and then just somebody came over and shot them. Dang. Yeah. Neither Dan nor Bruce knew anyone in the area, and it seemed to be a, a real random shooting. Yeah. No witnesses. Only a few clues thanks to a bullet shell casing that was found. And then it had snowed throughout the night a little bit, so they got footprints and tire impressions. Nice. So shell casing means it had to be an automatic weapon. Okay, so someone got, they shot him with an automatic weapon and they could see the, the footprint trails? Mm-hmm. And the tire impressions. Nice. So from the tire impressions, they found a truck in the area with a similar impression. And it was a truck owned by a local man named Leroy, who at the time was 23 years old. You know, whenever I hear Leroy, there's that old country song, Bad, Bad, Leroy Brown, he's the baddest man in the whole dang town. Leroy's. I've never heard that song. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, when I hear the name Leroy, yeah. I think of like Amish. Really? I don't know why. Okay. Just, Maybe you watched like an Amish yeah, show and the guy's name was like, Leroy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when I was doing this, that's what I was thinking about. Like right. Amish people. I hear the Leroy Brown song. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, di- in addition to Leroy's truck having a similar tire impression, The shell casing, one shell casing was found in the truck that was the same as what was found at the scene. Nice. So you believe that Leroy did it. Yeah. So they arrested Leroy, charged him with open murder, and then I was like, what is open murder? Yeah, what is open murder? So it's a charge that allows prosecutors to charge a person with multiple types of murder charges. And it was really actually hard to understand. Oh, they're like that. Basically, that means we're going to hit them with everything we can think of? Yeah, but it allows the prosecutor to only have to prove the manner, I believe. Okay. Of how it happened. Okay. It, It doesn't have to tie the person, they don't have to have the weapon. They don't have to. Okay. Pretty much, I felt like, okay, circumstantial open murder, yeah. Then? Okay. It just has to be circumstantial and you're good to charge somebody. It was really actually hard to understand what it meant. Okay. I read it a couple times and looked it up a few different ways, but it was very confusing. Okay. But needless to say, he's being charged for it. Okay. During the trial, Leroy had provided an alibi who placed him nowhere near the scene. He didn't know the victims. And so it became hard to convict him because he had this alibi. He didn't know the people. He nothing tied. Him and all you have are like than, shell casings and tire tracks. Yep, and, tire and you tracks. can't prove that he had the gun or that he was in the truck when those things got there. Okay, correct. So the charges were dropped. You know, were heard to say that they believed that it was two to three people who committed the crime. They then believed Leroy knew. Oh, so they're, oh, they're saying, okay, maybe we can't prove Leroy did it, but we think he knows who did who it. Who did it. Okay. Yep. 40 years later, the case is still cold. Interesting, I read that Leroy had went to prison for drug trafficking and firearm charges oh. years later after. Okay. Then my second one is a cold case from Osceola. 
County, okay. O-S-E-O-L-A. Okay. And that was the murder of Janet Robertson. She was our young mother, murdered in 1983 at her place of employment, which was a local pet store. Oh, shoot. Which is, like, totally not where I would want to be murdered. No. I mean, if I had to choose, I do not want to be murdered at work. Yeah. Um, I just don't want to be murdered. Yeah, I don't want to be murdered. But if I had to be murdered, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be murdered at work. Well, if I want to be murdered, can you take me to my enemy's house and murder me in front of them so uh, I can live with nightmares for the rest of life so I still get them in the end? <laughs> yeah, but then they're your enemy. They might like, be like... I'll be happy. Go for it. That's true. So January 19th, Janet went to work. Later on, her body was found with multiple injuries in the back room. Okay. The police believed multiple weapons were used to injure her. No arrests were made. And since her injuries were so brutal, they believed it to be somebody that she knew. She was getting a divorce at the time. Well, husband did it. Yeah, yeah. right? But they ruled him out. Dang it. So decades later, it's still a cold case out there. I just think that the husband did it. Uh, yeah, uh, the husband always does it. Almost, yeah. They always say it's someone that you know. And especially um, when it's really brutal like that, it's someone who has something specifically against you emotionally. They knew where she worked. I mean, I guess it could have been a... A random dude walked A random in. dude that did it. I don't believe I pointed it out, but the Dan Barnett and the Bruce McAllister... The two that were just shot? Yeah, uh-huh. was in Lake County, Lake Michigan. County. So those guys just went camping, get yeah. shot through the tent in the night. Yeah. The so yeah, they just decide, hey, we're gonna have a buds, you know, camping trip, and yeah. then they get shot. That's why I don't camp. Yeah, yet say, another reason why say, I my can husband... say I'm not camping at all. Our parents taught us that. You know, camping was a hotel that didn't have room service. That's what exactly. If you're on what, vacation, you get room service. That's exactly what my husband thinks. That if he's at a motel, that's like that's camping. That's camping. He said, if I can open up the front door and see outside, I'm, I'm camping. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was hard for me when uh, I first started going to the the lake that we have. Yeah, to the lake house. Yeah, yeah. and you actually had to drive like 25 minutes to like get to the food. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You just should be able to drive a block and be able to buy something, whatever that is. <laughs> right? I'm with you on that one. My sister mm-hmm. lives, like, 15 minutes to the nearest party store, and I was like, how do you survive? Yeah. How do you know. survive when you have to drive a long way to go get eggs when you forgot eggs? Yeah. Uh, all right. You guys, you've been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem with your hosts, Allie. And Jen. Connect with us at Michigan and Other Mayhem. To join the conversation, oops, mayhem.com. You might want to know that one. To join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, correct us when necessary, rate and subscribe our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Bye-bye now.